This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the award season podcast from Vanity Fair. It's such an honor to present this next award. And here are the nominees. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. I'm the king of the world. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. I'm Katie Rich, and in a minute, you'll hear from my colleague Anthony Bresnikan, who is doing our interview this week with Owine Arthur, who plays Prince Durin IV on the new Amazon series Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It is, yes, the second high-profile prequel to a major fantasy series premiering this month, the other one, of course, being the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. But Anthony has been immersing himself in the world of Tolkien and Middle-earth, uh, and with Joanna Robinson, the two of them did a big first-look feature on The Rings of Power for the magazine earlier this year. So Anthony is exactly the person you want to hear talking to Owen Arthur and really getting the rundown on The Rings of Power and everything that we'll learn about the world of Middle-earth on the show. So let's hear from Anthony and Owen Arthur about Rings of Power. Hey, everyone. This is Anthony Bresnikan. I'm a senior correspondent at Vanity Fair, and I'm joined today on Little Gold Man by Owain Arthur, who's one of the stars of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which will have debuted on Amazon Prime on September 2nd. Uh, you may have caught the first two episodes, but there are many more to come. Owain, thanks for uh, joining us today to talk about the show. Thanks for having me. You play Prince Durin and... I, I hate to say, I'm not sure you'll be recognized on the street for your performance because uh, it's a pretty transformative one, isn't it? <laughs> well, it really is. Not unless I don't shave, I think. If I, uh, <laughs> if I grow a big beard, then people might recognize me. But um, yeah, I am kind of looking forward to that piece, I suppose. So describe uh, for the people who are just listening to this, the look of Durin. You mentioned there's a big beard, but that doesn't quite do it justice. It's a big beard that's braided and full hair. It really is. That beard comes in a, about 12, 16 pieces. I can't actually remember, but it's it's a big old beard and, it, and it's kind of patched on at the bottom of the chin, down on the sideburns, down on the cheeks, the moustache, and there's nose cones as well. And it, yeah, it, you're right in saying it's it's very heavy. There's often um, 
I was often carrying it like um, like a baby on sets. Kind of, I'd, I'd pick pick it up because it would dangle down by my feet. I'd pick it up and kind of hold it up and 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 nurse it around just to kind of just to kind of keep the weight off my neck, really. But um, yeah, it, it was. It's quite a beard. It's quite a wig, and and the nose is quite prominent as well. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a physical performance. You're smashing rocks, and he's a very yeah. physical, tough character, right? He is not—he's not a prince who sits around and l- luxuriates on a throne. No, he's not. And I think that's—that's—that uh, says a lot about the dwarves. Really, I find them quite working class and you know down to earth they've got their feet on the ground and they don't mince their words they 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 speak straight you know they say Mm -hmm. what's on their minds and it's uh their mind is often filled with anger so um (laughs) so that's that's a lot of fun to play in the first time we meet him he is in conflict with an old friend uh elrond the Mm. uh who who is uh who people will remember from the uh the the Lord of the Rings novels and the and the Peter Jackson movies, yeah. who uh, was an important leader in in the Elven community. Here he's he's still an important leader, but he's sort of a younger diplomat played by Robert Aramayo. Uh, and you you two are old friends, but uh, but this is a friendship that's fractured. Can you talk to me about the relationship between these two? Yeah, well. <sighs> What's so interesting about Lord of the Rings, uh, about the world that Tolkien has written, is that the elves are immortal. and They live for many, many years, um, thousands of years. So when an elf doesn't pop over to see a dwarf, you know, after 20 years, it kind of, that offends the dwarf. You know, that's a long time to not call. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but for an elf, it's, it's just, you know, it's a weekend. So, mm. so there, there was this, this kind of, there is a misunderstanding there. And inevitably because of a dwarf's nature of mistrust. And particularly when, Elrond is is, is is well he's ha, um, half elven, um, mm-hmm. so there's 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 this slight animosity there. And, and what what was interesting is is that for Durin the he was hurt and he reacts his reaction is anger, but he was actually his heart was broken that his friend hadn't called over, and I find that quite a nice soft side of of a dwarf. Mm-hmm. And very human and relatable. I can relate to that, to old friends that I haven't seen for a while. And where have you been? And now you're showing up when you need something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and 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 it so happens that Kaza uh, Doom, the kingdom that I'm that I'm in, is 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 thriving at the moment, and and therefore you know dwarves get paranoid. Like, okay, they want something. Because we're mm-hmm. doing well, they want something. So there's that doubt in there as well. But you're right with with the human thing. Even though we're dwarves, we're different beings. There is a human mm-hmm. side to them, a very domestic side to them. Um, particularly um, in our series, um, we see during married to Disa, who's played by the lovely Sophia Numbete. Uh, he has children, and 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 his. Father is is the king, played by the wonderful Peter Mullen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we get to see the the the, the pull of of the domesticity in the dwarf's life, and also the the responsibilities of a of, of a future king 
Um, you know, he it's not it's not just going down the mine, knocking some rock and having a paint. It's yeah. about it's there, there's more to it than that. Um, although he's, I, I, th- I think he'll be good up all of them. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. This week, with the help of Dan Adler and Olivia Nuzzi, we're going inside the media circus swirling around Donald Trump's criminal trial. People want coverage of Donald Trump. There are sort of shades of 2015, 2016. I found it to be a a total break from the reaction to a lot of Trump coverage in the last two years. Join me, Brian Stelter, on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Well, you anticipated one of my questions, which was about Sofia Nunvete, who plays Disa, your, yeah. your princess, your bride. Uh, that's the wedding that Elrond missed. That uh, <laughs> so he's meeting yeah, her really is. for the first. He's meeting her for the first time, and and she's uh, she's sort of the like the the connection, the bridge between them. She's very warm and welcoming of him. Uh, she she's is very un- yeah. she's very undwarf like, I would say, although. Uh, Although she fits the height. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's 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 the first time that we will have seen a, a female dwarf featured in Tolkien's work. So, mm-hmm. so there was, and there's not a lot written about them. Um, and also, she she's different as well in the fact that she resonates. She she can she can speak to the rock. So she, there's something special, extra special about Deesa as well, and her intuition. So when she sees um, that Elrond has finally popped over for a cup of tea, she's you know she's she's heard so the fact that she's heard so much about him, and she's probably seen that how hurt I am that Elrond uh, hasn't been called over. She knows it's best that we make kiss and make up. So she's kind of, <laughs> what her reaction is, is for my benefit. Um, and that's, what's great to kind of play in this, this relationship is her telling me uh, what's best for me. She, she, uh, you know, she, she can see um, where I fail and she will correct me and vice versa as well. It's a strong relationship, that's for sure. You mentioned the resonating, which I think is a really fascinating concept. She explains that she literally harmonizes with the rock. They live under the Misty Mountains. They live in Khazadum, which we saw in in Tolkien's novels as a kind of tomb, an abandoned place. And this is Mm. like New York City. This is thousands of years before, and it's thriving. It's full of people. It's full of activity and work, and and there's commerce, and you can just see it. It's like walking down Fifth (laughs) Avenue in Manhattan. Um, But she she resonates, and I I found that to be really interesting, is that these are beings who really are working in in harmony with nature. And I think the danger that they face you correct me if I'm wrong, is that of falling out of harmony with that, of of becoming, uh, 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 well, as Tolkien put it, digging too greedily and too deeply into these mountains. That's so true. Into these mountains. That's it. That's um, it. And na- nature is such a big part as well of, of, mm-hmm. of Tolkien's work. And it's interesting, um, I, th- I think he was, uh, saw the Industrial Revolution in... Mm-hmm. In the UK, and and I think he saw the damage it had on on the countryside, 
you know, on the cities. Uh, and it, and it's interesting that that element, well, it's what I pick up on, particularly today in, in the state that our planet is in at the moment, that um, it really resonates, excuse the pun, that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he um, that he's written about nature a lot and the the caring of it and, and the holiness of it you know the it's um, the trees and uh, uh hold a secret to this world mm-hmm. and and she i feel like she knows where to drill with durin too doesn't she she knows which where the pressure points are yeah. where to drill and I where not so. to drill yeah, she, Yes, you know, she know she's got the remote control on how to, how and where to put on it. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you mentioned yeah. she's looking out for him in this relationship. It isn't just that she wants a partnership with the elves. I felt like, and, and again, I'm reading into this a bit, but you tell me. I felt like she felt like Durin needs a friend. He needs a friend outside the mines. He needs to be somebody who thinks beyond the world that they inhabit it's true i i think i think that's true about them we definitely looking further afield than we would expect from dwarves um Mm -hmm. but tolkien actually did say at this age that the relationship between elves and dwarves um have never been better Mm. um so it is a, a golden age for for the dwarves here and in terms of Durin's friendship with Eldons they've been through a lot together I think Rob and I had various discussions on what that particularly may be and we touch on it in episode four or five so I'll I'll, I'll leave that for, for you to um for you to decipher what actually happened between them but me, myself and Rob we we, we went on it on a little journey together to a place called Rotorua in New Zealand. And and we did we, we stayed on the on the in a little cabin on the side of a mountain and we woke up first thing in the morning to walk through the, the canopies of the forest and we did um we did a walk also in the middle of the night through a through a forest where uh, to see glowworms and we had a guide to take us through there and it was so peaceful and quiet and exciting and it felt really special to me and Rob so being able to kind of experience that and have that and then bring it onto set mm-hmm. um, um, were, were, was special and and you know I consider Rob now to be one of my best friends and. Uh, and and therefore to have that as a reference to what Durin thinks is a betrayal is um, what w- was very handy to kind of tune into. Well, what's the performance like with him? Given that there have to be camera tricks to uh, accentuate his height and minimize yours, are you ever performing together? Is it a forced perspective thing sometimes? Are you sometimes performing your scene and he's performing separately in, 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 another, in another scene so that they can be merged, those shots? How does it work? And what's, what's unusual about it from a performance standpoint? Well, all of those things. We, t- uh-huh. we basically tried all of those things. We tried every method. Mm-hmm. And um, the technical team that, that you know to to do the scale work, um, they were fantastic and so accommodating. 
into finding out what works best for us as performance because their goal is to make the performance as good as it is and also to make it look as good as it can. And it was a real, it was a partnership in that really. And and met the scenes be- between myself and Rob did require us to to play off each other a lot. So uh, and and we weren't sticking to the same performance on every take, which was wonderful and magical, and uh, a blessing when you find an actor who is open and willing to to be that open and to play off what you give him and then and then you can play off what he gives him. It makes it so exciting. Um, and so, but then you add on to that, that this kind of sledgehammer <laughs> of, of a technical... Um, complication? Te- a technical complication. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it is a real obstacle. Um so 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 we did the force perspective um version. I wasn't too keen on that one. Um we also what, why? did the because over the shoulder. Why why is that a problem? Is it because you're just Well let me tell you, there was it was we were supposed to be looking directly in front of each other. Um but for him to be larger, he was closer to the lens and I was further away, but we still had to look in the same direction, i.e. not at each other anymore because we were we were far apart. Yeah. And so, and I had to look really high up on a, uh, I think they, they actually did put a tennis ball on top of a stand for this one. And Rob had to look at a mark, like, I think it was a, a fluorescent tape on the floor. So we had to, I mean, having a different eyeline is fine, but then we had the distraction of having each other being to the right and therefore you really you know you were being distracted and wanting to look at him and it, I didn't find it you know we were just constantly thinking about the technicality of it um so you have to you I was gonna say you have to resist that urge to have the human connection then because you're yes you're true, focused true. elsewhere That's, right? and therefore you're focusing on all you're thinking about is not looking at the actor mm-hmm. and not and not what you're trying not what you're trying to do to the actor you know and you and you can't see if you're having any effect on him uh, so that was a difficult one and my least favorite what was your favorite one you were about to say what, what your favorite was it a favorite scene my or a favorite, favorite uh, technique um well whilst we're on the technique my favorite mm-hmm. one was when he was up on an apple box and I was stood right underneath him and it was that simple, you know, <laughs> just, just, that is, that was simple. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was, that was by far the easiest one um, to do because he was right there in front of me. He was right there where he was supposed to be and they were filming us and that was it. It was done. Um, uh, it, we, there were times where we, almost played twister together to be honest with you there were other times when i was sat on a stool that had wheels on and we were doing doing it from rob's perspective and he had to follow a different island because he had to play on a different set and there was a bit of green screen on there so it was really difficult for him to kind of imagine what room he was in um, so, and I'd try and be as supportive as I can for my fellow actor and kind of, so that he can have the same opportunity as me to bounce so that we could bounce off each other. Uh, and so, but, but, but also it was quite, it was quite comical that I was dancing around and kind of wheeling myself on this, on this 
stool to catch his eye so I can so I can kind of still be in the same scene with him. It might have made this corpse a couple of times, but we we got through it. It was good. <laughs> and with Sophia, you don't have that same complication, right? You get to just sort of perform together. Is that is that about right? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if we're all at the same height, then we're fine. We can mm-hmm. we don't have to play play around with any of that. Apart from if we go to Lindon, where. Um, where the elves live, so mm-hmm. I had a dinner scene. I had a dinner scene there, and you know they they haven't got miniature miniature forks and plates for a dwarf for when he comes. So it was quite fun actually. I felt like a child sat <laughs> oh, at a table, sat sat at a table that was too high with giants with giant forks and knives and big cups to slurp to slurp from. So yeah, that mm-hmm. took me back to being a child again. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Well, we talked about the hair and the prosthetics you wear on your face as Durin, but... Uh, tell me about the costume uh, itself and the other, the other, you get a hammer, you have all sorts of equipment around I you know. and things you get to play I with. Do. Tell me about the costume, uh, the costume. What does the costume say about him? Well, funnily enough, this, uh, Kate Hawley uh, designed this costume and she is, I think she's a Tolkien professor. I mean, she isn't technically speaking, but I think she is. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Kate even researched into into what inspired Tolkien and and the dwarves and went back to um, Thor to to kind of get her inspiration from there. And so, building the costume for Durin, he needs to be he needed to be regal. He needed to be one of the guys, you know. And whilst we were trying to sort out the physicality of dwarves and specifically Durin, we kind of came prominent that he needed to be grounded. You know, they're made mm-hmm. of rock. There needs to be a weight and an, um, a groundedness to him. And, and and therefore, I kind of said, I asked her if, if we could do a heavy boot, a big heavy boot, it would help uh, my physicality um, on set. This is something that, kept, that came out of a workshop that 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 we did and and by wearing a big heavy steel toe capped boot um it kind of it, it gave it a, a different movement like an other like another being uh, and and she did and and she came up with these delicious golden boots and after the first day of shooting i instantly regretted it because <laughs> um they are genuinely heavy, <laughs> and and and. But there we go. Suffer for your mm. art is what they say. Mm. Your face is carrying the big beard. Your legs are toting around these giant boots. Uh, exactly, it's, it's a heavy performance, I guess. It's it's, it's a, <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's, it is. It does carry a lot of weight. Literally. But, but, He's he's I wouldn't say he's the he's the most cheerful person. He's very expressive. Uh he's very grumpy. 
Uh, I think that's fair yeah. to say. And, mm-hmm. and very, very loud. He doesn't hold back. And uh, at least even when he tries, when he's trying not to... Uh, not to explain or not to reveal how angry he is at Elrond for having missed so much of his life. He'd still, so, he, it, you could just, I could just see you sort of like a, like a, like a soda bottle that's been shaken too much, ready to, <laughs> ready to blow. Tell me about playing that emotion. He's a, he's a hot, he's a strong cup of coffee, Doran, isn't he? Do you know what, Matt? <laughs> you, you're, you're bang on the money there with the soda bottle. Um, uh-huh. That's exactly what it is. His anger, his frustration, his 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 heart, all of his emotions are bubbling right right here. And and I I really focused on that actually. That uh, kind of he's just about managing to keep a lid on. It's like when you see when you see one of those old teapots on uh, on a gas uh-huh. stove kind of bubbling and they when it just starts to boil and the lid just kind of tap taps up and down like that that's that's where Durin's at with his emotions mm-hmm. um so that was something that I was tapping into and and it kind of cre- created a big ball of big big ball of fire in his stomach and and to be honest with you, it was, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved being able to have that kind of complication in him and, and that the fact that he wants to hold it back, but he can't. Mm. Well, the last thing I want to ask you before we let you go is about your performance with his father, Doran. It's Doran the third, right? He's the third and, and he, you are Doran the fourth. <laughs> So a string of Dorans here. Uh, Peter, you mentioned Peter Mullen plays that part, and mm. he's a he's a much older dwarf. You can see the frailty in him, and he dresses differently. You mentioned how your Doran, you know, uh, he's regal, but he could also fit in among the workers. And this yeah. uh, Doran is much more in a in a in a sort of a cloak, and he's he's clearly tired. And it, it, I gather that your Durin is really a leader in waiting. He's really leading this community now and ready to take over from his father. Uh, what's the relationship there between the two of them? I mean, he loves his father dearly. Um, Durin's mother is not around anymore, and therefore there's just just there's just me and him, and and the fact that they are both Durin. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of says there's an expectancy there for myself to to perform and and to do what's right for our kingdom for the dwarves and you know he's he's another generation and 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 life moves on I think it's true in our days today you know people the the older you very rarely get an, an the the older generation who wants big change they're quite traditional and they want everything to be as they are and uh, this is a classic case of that where where the younger son sees potential for the kingdom whether he's right or not that remains to be that question so so that there's, there's a battle of 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 minds and and future prospects for the kingdom coming up um mm-hmm. but again I was blessed to have Peter Mullen play that part because he's just a phenomenal actor, uh, and and there's there's so much wisdom and and anger behind those eyes mm-hmm. that um, that it, it it wasn't difficult to to be scared of him. 
Well, we see at the end of the, uh, I think it's the end of the second episode, uh, a box mm. that glows. And uh, I, I think if you know your Tolkien, you might be able to guess what's in that box. But uh, it's yeah. maybe not ready to reveal just yet to those who don't know. But uh, clearly there's, yeah. there's there you know, there's restraint. And then there's, as you said, with Durin, your Doran, the fourth, mm. uh, a desire to go further. And uh, I gather that's that's what the tension will be going forward is how far should you go if you should go well, further and yes exactly that's it that's exactly <laughs> it that is exactly mm -hmm. it what what's what's held in that box will um, will be important mm -hmm. and and does have an effect on well certainly on both durings the third and the fourth mm -hmm. Owen Arthur, thank you so much for joining us, and I uh, look forward to seeing more of you in The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, as much as you as we can see. You radiate through that beard, so uh, thank even, you. Though it's, <laughs> even though it's a burden for you, you're coming through loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That does it for today's show. We'll be back on Thursday with our roundtable conversation about all the festival news that's been happening over the past week. In the meantime, you can find us at VanityFair.com, including a lot of Anthony's coverage of the Rings of Power. You can sign up to text with us at jointubtext.com slash littlegoldmen or text us at 213-401-9739. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HWD. Our editor and producer, as always, is Brett Fuchs. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. From PRX.